0: Hello, 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 you're listening to real talk about depression, a podcast devoted to the uncomfortable subject of depression and suicide. I'm your host. Angela Miller and today we are lucky to have a guest aboard um, Elizabeth White she comes from the Portage Path Behavioral Health Services in their psychiatric emergency services team she serves as a crisis supervisor so I'm gonna let Elizabeth tell you a little bit more about herself but welcome Elizabeth please tell our audience a little bit more about what you do Absolutely.
1: So overall, I've been a social worker for 12 years now, which I don't know necessarily where time has gone. And nine of those years have been in mental health and six of those years have been predominantly in crisis work. So essentially, um, you know, all meet with individuals or help families for an individual in need to assess the crisis situation and determine if they need a higher level of care. Higher level of care typically means like hospitalization or crisis stabilization unit.
0: Okay, all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, And what we're going to be discussing is mostly the holidays and how that really affects people and their mental health and how we can help serve them too. So what led you into this kind of career? Is there is there a background story? I'm sure there is um, that really made you interested in this.
1: You know, I would have to say, I, I come from quite a few nurses in my family between my mother, my stepmother, grandmothers. Um, and I was just surrounded by these strong women who had the desire to help people. Um, you know, and specifically my mother She just raised me to believe that human beings are supposed to help one another. I mean, she said it to me all throughout my childhood, regardless of any difference, human beings are the ones that really can rely on one another, whether it be family, friends, church, doesn't matter, we're just supposed to help. So, um, you know, I have to say I'm just rather squeamish, which is why I did not become a nurse and social worker just seemed to be a way that I can still help other human beings and not have to deal with the sight of blood. So, so that is actually the backstory on how I became a social worker, probably one of the ways that at least let me hear, yeah.
0: Awesome, so it's definitely got a background of serving in your, in your family, and uh, here you are now as a social worker, been there for 12 years, you said.
1: Mm-hmm. Not specifically with Portage Path, but mental health in general, I've been in the field, yes, for, for 12 years.
0: Great. Well, thank you for all that you've done and brought to our community already. Um, thank you. It's a, it's a great that people have that serving heart, and that your mother instilled such great, you know, lessons inside of you. So, um, yeah, we we appreciate that. So, um, so you. so right now, what what are you seeing when it comes to the mental health of our you know our country and our community in in these times?
1: Well, I I know that this is you know based around the holidays but I have to see what I've noticed the most in our community has been due to COVID-19 and COVID-19 related factors it's really you know increased rates of depression and anxiety so if we look at what COVID's done you know we've had to implement that social distancing new safety precautions about wearing a mask making sure you're using Purell and it's just rather been a time of uncertainty and adjustment. And with adjustment, sometimes you have adjustment disorders, which create an onset of depression and anxiety. And then what else has come with that? We can say financial strain, job loss. It's just been a lot. It's been so much that actually, I don't know if you know this, that the governor implemented the care line as a resource for individuals to call that have been affected by COVID and they're experiencing mental health symptoms. It's, it's it's, It's a line that one can can reach out to if they need to, you know, discuss anything. And something else I'd like to add is some people when it's come to reaching out to providers, it's made things more difficult. You know, people didn't want to leave their houses. So we we try to adjust by telehealth, which some people like, not everybody likes. But let's not forget those that maybe don't have those resources to where they can use telehealth. So what I've currently seen has, has you know, come from COVID-19 and COVID-19 related factors that that's really been impactful to us lately. Sure, yeah. I, I, I know that
0: um, there's all sorts of statistics and comments and, and floating out there about how COVID-19 is really, really impacting. Um, mental health across all ages and it seems like it's especially yeah and and even in our young children it seems like um it's increasing there so i can only imagine that um you know even in a normal state when we're when we're not in a pandemic um the holidays are hard for people so um how the, the uncertainty that we have now moving into this holiday after everything we've already been through How does Christmas affect people under normal circumstances? And what do you think it's going to look like as we move into this Christmas?
1: Um, You know, that honestly can go either one of two ways, that question. You know, for some individuals who struggle with depression, the holidays can actually be uplifting. You know, it can uplift their spirits. They feel that they have more social supports. Perhaps they feel that they have more that they can look forward to just more engagement um, so for some it actually decreases the symptoms and then it's like after the holidays when they feel that they don't have as much to look forward to perhaps or as much support then they might feel a little bit more depressed and I've definitely seen that along the way but it, flip of a coin you know for some people the holidays are extremely stressful. You know, if you look at somebody who is maybe more introverted, they don't like leaving their house, they don't like big crowds. It might be difficult for them to be in certain social scenarios. Um, they might feel, you know, that it is a burden to purchase gifts. It might be hard. They may have financial stress. So, with that, it's really just the flip of a coin, and it does depend on the individual. All right.
0: Yeah, I know from personal experience. I kind of resonated with that when you said um, that it can bring you back to life a little bit over Christmas because I know that uh, um, you almost go into a functional, uh, more of a functional um, route is that you have to get all those Christmas presents done. You have to make it right for your children. And so it kind of gives you purpose and it lifts you up during those holidays. But yeah, then (laughs) afterwards, that's when you can have that break and, and things really start to settle down and settle in.
1: Right. And if you think about it, a lot of families just have traditions. You know, I know people, a close friend of mine, every year, her and a large group of girlfriends get together, they bake cookies, and it's just something they look forward to. And a lot of people carry on these traditions, they look forward to them. So, like I said, it can really be an uplifting time for a person, but then they might feel depressed after the holidays have passed. All right.
0: it's really good to probably keep an eye on people, um, especially after the holidays. So, I mean, we're obviously going to keep an eye on them during all times, but um, absolutely after the holidays might be a little bit more important. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, and and I and I just like the fact that, again, it points out that we're so individualistic, and everybody has their own ways to adapt. And how they're going to go into this holiday season. So we can't kind of group everybody into one one way of you know how they're going to adapt. So, all right. So, um, do, what about? I know that this is you know an uncomfortable subject um, for a lot of us. But do you guys see a substantial rise in suicide either
1: before or maybe after the holidays? I know that, you know, I think that we hear in the, from the media that there is typically an increase uh, uh, with suicidal ideation or suicide attempts. Um, but, you know, we really don't have a cluster of data that's showing that. And again, it's, it's another scenario, but it just depends on the individual. Um, you know, with depressive symptoms, severe depression, people might have suicidal ideation it just depends it depends how they're going to react to the holidays and where they are you know emotionally feeling so i can't necessarily say one way or the other yeah yeah um i when i lost my mom to suicide
0: I remember um, looking at the statistics and all of that, and I always personally believed that the the suicide rate was as high at the holidays. like, and I don't know where I got that, but you know, at some point, I believed that the suicide rate was actually the highest near Christmas or after. and then and and you know, I, I don't remember where I read it, but actually, I saw um, a statistics that said, It's um, higher at spring. It's higher in the springtime, which was the case with my mom because she survived the winter. She thought that, you know- Spring would come and she would feel hope and alive. And she didn't. And that's when (laughs) she just lost the battle. Yeah, yeah, so So it's important for people to know these things um, because, you know, I guess we can tend to kind of put our guard down or think, okay, Mm -hmm. we survived the holidays, they're okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, we, we need to keep our guard up constantly when somebody's really suffering from depression. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of, um, you know, uh, depression during the holidays in Ohio, we have even um, more to deal with, you know, or anywhere near us because we got winter and we, I know in Ohio, don't see the sun a lot during, during right. our winter. So I know that plays into this. Um, mm-hmm. What is your opinion on uh, the seasonal affective disorder and how that relates into all of this?
1: So seasonal affective disorder disorder um, otherwise known as like major depressive disorder with a seasonal pattern uh, it can it, it can be affected by the, the sun. Um, you know there are findings that suggest lack of sunlight does impact our ability to produce serotonin and serotonin is the neurotransmitter that does impact one's mood So it it can really play a part in it. You know, many Americans suffer from SAD, and they might not even be aware of it. So when it comes to location where we're living, you know, more people, yes, are gonna be affected in, you know, the Northern areas, especially when, you know, we turn the clocks forward, there's less daylight, it's very impactful. You know, I actually, I have a cousin Uh, He lives about an hour outside of Anchorage, Alaska. And one of the last times I saw him, you know, I asked him, when you have that period of night, what's it like? And and he said to me, you know, very honestly, that people's behaviors and their moods change. It feels, you feel maybe more fatigued, um, less motivation. It's just, it can be a really difficult time for them so you know that would be an accurate thing to say that seasonal affective disorder can can depend on a person's location um but there are you know methods of treatment for sad including medication management counseling vitamin d supplements and or light therapy have you ever heard of light therapy
0: I have. I've never tried it myself, but I have seen people with those lights, you know, giving themselves a certain amount of uh, artificial vitamin D, I guess, to to kind of lift up their their spirits, yeah.
1: Correct. So so light therapy, you know, involves sitting in front of a light therapy box that emits a very bright light and it does filter out the harmful UV rays. And people sit in front of it for approximately 20 minutes. And, and for some, they see results within one to two weeks, a decrease in those depressive symptoms. So, I mean, there there are options to help treat that. Yeah, so something that
0: really could help somebody who's suffering from, from seasonal affective disorder.
1: I know yesterday
0: I was out and it was a sunshiny day in the morning. And, uh, um, you know, I just, you just feel better once you get out in the sun. And it, even though it was cool, it was crisp, you know, I bundled up and I sucked it up and walked and just to get some of that, <laughs> that, that sun, you know, because it really, mm-hmm. does, it really does have a big powerful effect on your mood.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, great, well, thank you so much for that insight. I think that it's something that a lot of Ohioans can relate to and all of our Northern partners. So it's far, you know, the Alaska inside, I always wondered oh i would not i i I just i know i would not be able to to live in darkness like that so they're superheroes that they can
1: do that. (laughs) they really are
0: yeah all right well are you seeing any kind of trends right now um you know as far as really not just sad um with the seasonal affective disorder but any trends in depression or anything as we're moving into this holiday season even as as it relates to COVID, any particular age groups that are more susceptible right now
1: you know that i don't exactly have an answer for um but going like you know if you're thinking about depression it's something that really can affect anyone uh, and it can be due to life circumstance or genetic predispositioning. Um, specifically, SAD, though, you know, it is more so commonly found in women than it is in men. I don't know if you're aware of that. Hmm. And you you can start to see those symptoms in early adulthood. Hmm. Okay,
0: good. So that's that's good to know, especially for women. Um, as young adults, maybe they don't understand why their moods are mm-hmm. off during the winter. but But
1: yeah, that it's very treatable. Absolutely um and and just to touch base though you know because we have discussed suicide in this in this podcast there are high risk group out groups out there and it's not just around the holidays that i feel like we should you know keep an eye out for them um your high risk populations are middle aged people between the ages of 45 to 54 especially men you have our veterans that have served this country that, you know, come back with PTSD. So they're another high risk population, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and then, you know, we have our young adults out there as well as previous attempt survivors. So, wow. All right.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's really good for everybody to know and understand who's who's at high risk and who we need to be reaching out and watching out for more. Yeah. Though I know this is a universal thing and none of us are immune from it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My heart just bleeds for all of those people that are dealing with PTSD or they're dealing with isolation or not feeling accepted or loved in any kind of scenario. So yeah.
1: There is a veterans hotline as well as a hotline for the LGBT tq plus community and i did send that information to you as well um, in via email
0: so great and we'll i'm able to share sure that our, yeah i will post those in our <laughs> notes so anybody who wants access to them there's there's help out there um and, and and that's the whole point of this podcast is we want you to know that you're not alone there are people like elizabeth serving our community um and you know you, you're absolutely not alone hang in there we're we're here to help And talk about it um, because, well, let's admit, most of us don't really want to talk about it. It's pretty uncomfortable. And your in in your environment, there's a lot of talk about it. But you know, in the in the mainstream environment, this is kind of um, something that we shy away from. So, so if we've got somebody who's suffering, you know, from depression already right now, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, how what. What can they do to protect themselves or be more proactive as they enter into this holiday season or winter? Um, you know, if, if the holidays may light them up, maybe it's winter that's that's going to hurt them.
1: Right, so I think what's really important uh, if, if you're struggling with depression, you wanna notice your triggers or, your, or at least your symptoms. I think at first people don't realize that that's what's going on, but you know, Let's say you're at home and you just lack that motivation to clean, and you think to yourself, "Man, I really need to pick up my living room right now, but I just can't." And you go and you lay down and you take a nap. If you find that you know you're overeating, um, if your sleep is impacted, uh, I mean, there's just several different you know symptoms out there. Uh, that i think people should be in tune with so so know your symptoms and what your triggers could possibly be and then as we're moving through this holiday season or whatever the season may be for you that you know you you start to feel down or depressed uh you want to promote connectedness and reach out to your support groups you know whether it be family friends members from church that's something that's really important and be proactive in keeping up with any appointments you have with your providers. You know, whether that is a behavioral health clinician, uh, a case manager, a primary care psychiatrist, keep up with your appointments. Try to develop perhaps, you know, new coping mechanisms or healthy hobbies. Uh, For some people, they really enjoy volunteering. You know, not only is volunteering a way to help somebody else, but it feels good. It feels good to touch somebody somebody else's heart. So volunteering is, is, is a good one. Um, maybe you have a toolbox for yourself of mechanisms that help you, and they also promote self-care. So there's meditation, journaling, painting, hiking, yoga, take a hot bath, uh, try to eat healthy, exercise. Um, And then know your resources and what you have out there. You know, here in Summit County, we do have a support hotline that you can call. There's a national hotline number, um, you know, and if you feel that you're in a crisis, psychiatric emergency services is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody will be here. So know your resources, know what you can do to promote that self care and know who you can reach out to. I think those those are very big.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's just great advice. A lot of those um, um, self-care modalities we've talked about on previous podcasts. I always right. like to compare ourselves uh, to a, a car, a vehicle, and we've got four mm-hmm. wheels and we're trying to keep all four wheels balanced and functional and um, depression can really throw off any one of those wheels at any time so yeah uh, care is really important and in keeping yourself kind of moving even if it's slow um which depression kind of slows us down and everything but stop beating yourself up for that just kind of you know give yourself the extra attention and care that you need correct yeah yeah that's great great advice thank you so much um so what about those of us who might be watching somebody in our family member suffer from depression how how can we help them the most you know we don't want to um smother we don't want to overprotect. i know there's a very fine line there but but Mm -hmm. how can we be of service to somebody that we might know or love who's suffering from depression right now
1: well i mean you know if if they want space it's you can allow that you know you want to give a person's face if they ask for it. But again, be knowledgeable about depressive symptoms and how to recognize them. Perhaps you're not hearing from your friend as frequently or they're not, you know, meeting you for an outing, whatever it may be. If you notice a change in behaviors, you know, feel and trust your instincts and feel that you can express to them what you're hearing, maybe what you're seeing, and offer that extra support. Make plans to engage with them and really, you know, encourage them to get out and meet up with you um, and most importantly listen to them if they if they express depression <sighs> suicide is uncomfortable to talk about but somebody who might be struggling with suicidal thoughts they sincerely want you to ask them it's uncomfortable but they want it to be direct you know maybe they they feel too scared to say it and it's just something that they're keeping inside and you know, if if they disclose to you that they do have suicidal thoughts, it's okay to ask, like, do you have a plan? How often are you thinking about this? You know, and and know where you can take them to also get help. Again, we're available 24 hours a day at, at PES, Psychiatric Emergency Services. You can call the hotlines 24 hours a day, you know. There, there is help out there, and, and you can provide that help to somebody, for somebody you love. Just, just know what you have, your options.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, great, great stuff there. And I, I know that suicide definitely is uh, something that we don't like to talk about, and it makes us, you know, what if? I know with my mom, there was so many warning signs, um, but you know, because it's uncomfortable for us, or because we just think that they won't go through with it. I think um, that you don't push the envelope. You don't dig in. And it's so uncomfortable for you to cross that threshold but it is important to take whatever they say seriously because at least with my personal experience, there was red flags. There was, um, you know, walking away from, uh, from me saying, uh, and you trying to hand me a precious piece of uh, gold that she had on her finger and saying, I'm never gonna see you again. So I need you to have this. And, um, you know, it, it was there. The signs were there and don't, in your head, I guess, tell yourself or that it's that they, they're, they're just not capable. Because I think they, you know, at that point, my mother was not the mother that I knew anymore. She wasn't the strong woman who would be able to fight against that anymore. She had convinced herself. So you need to really step out of your own comfort zone and ask more questions. Um, but you know, at the same time, what happens is we have all this survivor's guilt when we don't, and you can't live in that space either. Correct. So yeah, um, I would just, I would, uh, I would just say, from somebody who has experienced it and lived it, is if, if um, to, to go there with them, to enter that uncomfortable subject, and mm-hmm. um, but you know, if it does move forward and you lose them, that you can't live in that space of I wish I would have done more because they've hit a point. Yeah, so, all right. Um, So what mental health services, particularly for those with depression, does your organization offer that people could use during the holiday season as we we move into it? And of course, after, I mean,
1: yeah. Well, we have a plethora of services over at Portage Path Behavioral Health. Um, We have counseling and we do offer that telehealth. That is something, you know, works more for an individual. We offer case management, psychiatry, we have our pathways group. Um, We offer peer supports. Have you heard of peer supports? No. Tell me more about that. Okay. Well, peer support is somebody who is in recovery. You know, it can be recovery from um, mental health diagnosis like bipolar disorder it can be in recovery from from substance use but they're in recovery and they're linked with a person that we serve who is trying to commit to recovery it's almost like a mentorship program so they kind of can help guide and navigate them through the process and it's it's a beautiful thing and it's it's a great thing that we offer Um, we do have crisis intervention as well as information or emotional supports um, to responding to a crisis situation, so you know, heaven forbid, if somebody goes through something that's a crisis and they need that immediate support, that is something that can be offered uh, through through my department. Um, so we have that. We also um, have an on-site pharmacy and primary care clinic, which which is wonderful. And then in case of emergency, again, psychiatric emergency services is always open.
0: A peer support program um, sounds a little bit like uh, somebody in a sponsor group, like an AA group, where they get somebody assigned to them that they can call and kind of lift them out of whatever they might be spiraling towards. Is that am I am I reading that right?
1: It's it's kind of like a mentorship program, um, you know, and they they help them navigate through the steps of recovery. You know, it, it's not to say that the peer You know instills in them that their method of recovery is the only way to do it do you know what i mean it's it's just more of that role model piece and and they're there to provide the support as as they try to navigate through the process
0: right that's great because it gives people connection somebody to reach out to when they're feeling yeah that's awesome um so i guess since this is um you know a national well it's an international podcast so are the services that you're offering just pretty much limited to our local Summit County region or how does that work as far as um, people outside of Summit County? Uh,
1: we do we do work with Summit County as well as uh, the surrounding areas. Okay so anyone in this re- immediate area in this region. where they would
0: apply to but the, the resources that you're providing in the show notes they would go for all over the place. Oh, so yeah. Right.
1: I, I've provided information on the national hotline mm-hmm. um, and there's plenty of other information that can be used on the national level. Okay. The links that I've given you. Absolutely. But,
0: and I'm assuming that there's probably organizations very similar to you in almost every major city that would be offering very similar programs.
1: That would be correct. Yeah. Um, you know, most counties have, an, you know, uh, a crisis center that's available to them 24 hours a day, um, as well as case management services, counseling, psychiatry. Uh, absolutely, that Assumptions correct. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. all right. So, and you mentioned the care line that the governor of Ohio um, has, has offered too. Is that uh, something that we will be able to post in the show notes also in case anybody in Ohio, you know, outside of our area would be interested in that?
1: Absolutely. I can actually give you the information for the care line right now. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so that's 1-800-720-9616. All right.
0: 1-800-720-9616 and that is yes, Ohio's ma'am. care line. Yes, if ma'am. You, um, so this is um, pretty much like a hotline or a support group line where you could just get immediate help for your mental health. Okay. That's correct. Awesome. That's correct. All right. Um, so. Heaven forbid anybody need this, but, you know, unfortunately it's out there. What if somebody who's listening right now has lost somebody to suicide? Uh, What would you suggest for those that are suicide survivors that are dealing with, with the loss of somebody they loved?
1: Well, here at Portage Path, we do have a survivors of suicide group uh, that's available. To people it is they meet on the second and fourth tuesday of each month at 6:30, 30. Um, and you can actually reach out to a woman named andrea denton and i can go ahead and send you her email address um, or you can go to the suicide prevention lifeline website um, and find a local support group to you or you can visit the american foundation for suicide prevention website and find a local support group um you know even on social media they have support groups for this you can seek out individual counseling um to, i mean those would be my my recommendations but those programs do exist out there
0: yeah yeah i I, um, I know that when i first lost my mom i joined one of those suicide survivor groups and i just want to caution listeners to, um, if, you're, if it doesn't click with you, when I first went, I was literally probably a week out. So I was still very overwhelmed and mm-hmm. like deer in headlights. And when I went and I started listening to people at the group, there were some people that had been there, you know, five, 10 years out and were still muddling through this. And the only thing I could think of in my head, my interpretation was, is, oh my gosh, five, 10 years from now, I will still be, dealing with this and i just want people to understand that it takes different times in anyone's um, processing of grief to come to these groups so i went there and never went back because i overwhelmed myself Um, but you know the people that have been there that were there from a five year maybe they didn't process it through and now they're realizing that they need to go to that group and start to process it through so don't let it overwhelm you and if it does I would have um, really would have liked if I would have given it another chance. I just kind of let it overwhelm me and I said this isn't for me Um, and if that's the case for you, you know, give it a, give it another shot it might not be what's right for you but i think that it just depends on where you are in your recovery process whether it's going to click for you or not so but i i think it's a great a great way for people to come together and just talk through the loss and all of the very common um, symptoms and, and feelings that you have all the guilt and everything that merges up so yeah and and i know that it's available all over the country and it's a very valuable resource so um if there's something that you could leave us with something that would help bring light to depression and suicide what would it what would it be
1: you know i i think that people feel that they're alone with it i think that's a big hurdle for them and if there's anything that i can say is you know if people are willing to listen if, if you feel that you don't have that support from a friend or a family member, you know, though it can be scary, just know that help is available to talk to somebody. Most of us that enter this field, you know, we care, we want to help and we are here to listen. So if, if I can shed any light or any positive note, you know, don't be afraid to seek treatment because quality of life is very important
0: yeah absolutely what a great a great way to end this um is that you're not alone and that's what we want everybody to know and that there are people that want to talk about it um yeah because you know our friends and family it is uncomfortable for them if they've never experienced it before so there's plenty of people out there that are willing to help and talk about it and and, and want to help you, so that's great. So if there was anyone who um, is interested in our local area to reaching out to your organization to find you, is there some easy way that they could uh, you know, go on the web or a phone number or anything that we would be able to give them?
1: Absolutely, so you know, we do have locations in Akron, Cuyahoga Falls and Barberton. Um, you can simply go to www.portagepath.org or you can find us on Facebook under Portage Path Behavioral Health, which I sent you the link to as well. Um, or you could simply you know, call us at 330-253-3100 to start services. Um, you know, we accept all different types of insurance and we accept people regardless of their ability to pay. And we do serve individuals who are 17 and a half and up. Okay, great, great.
0: And again, we'll post all of this in the show notes. Um, if you didn't catch that, so Elizabeth, it has been a true pleasure to have you on the show. I want to thank you for this service to our community and all of the information that you provided us. And I and especially want to thank you for just your valuable time that you offered um, our listeners today. So, all right.
1: Well, all thank right. you very much for having me. This has been great.
0: All right. Thank you for listening. You were listening to Real Talk About Depression. And let's talk soon.